Hey everybody, it's Eric Torenberg, co-founder, partner of Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is Venture Stories, a podcast covering topics relating to tech and business with world-leading experts. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Venture Stories by Village Global. I'm here today with a repeat guest and fan favorite by popular demand, Sarah Tavel. And this other guy named uh, Ben Rubin, uh, longtime friend as well, co- uh, co-founder of uh, House Party in Meerkat, uh, and also hanging out at, at Benchmark before starting his uh, next company. Uh, ben, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. So we're here to talk about a podcast uh, that you both know well, have spent a lot of time in, and have, have been thinking uh, a lot about, uh, Consumer Social. And, and you recently wrote a post, uh, Sarah, calling for uh, participatory social. Yeah. So why don't you uh, unpack some of the ideas in that post and why you're so excited about it. And, and then Ben, let's, let's hear your, your thoughts. So, so the idea would uh, kind of one of the things I think about as a, as a, you know, consumer oriented VC is trying to think about and anticipate what the next era of social might be. And, and there's something that almost feels a little uh, quixotic about social Um there's, it's been so hard to disrupt, you know, Big Blue with Facebook and then Instagram, WhatsApp, you know, just any of the incumbents right now is it, Twitter included. It, it's just been really hard. And so this was trying to think through what could it look like? Because even though it's really hard, it also feels like they're incredibly vulnerable right now. I mean, I don't know about either of you. Like, do, do either of you go to Facebook regularly? Not much. I don't have Facebook since 2016. Yeah. And I've got to imagine, I don't know if you guys have had the experience, but I've looked at Facebook and asked myself, gosh, if I was, you know, a 16-year-old looking at Facebook for the first time, it just would feel like, what it must, what it felt like for me, like looking at Yahoo, uh, way back when, or, or even AOL. It's just, it's so bloated. There's so much going on. And so it feels like you've got a new generation of people coming online and that's, that's a seam to exploit. And so what would that look like? And, and the thing that I think about, and I call it as like this participatory era of social, you know, Facebook in particular, but so many of the social, uh, the, so, the social places we have online right now are this like very lean back experience of reading someone else's content. And, you know, Facebook's own research shows that that's not what makes people happy. And what makes people happy and feel satisfied with their online experience is when they actually participate actively in whatever thing that they're looking at or are using. And, and I think you see that with, with apps like Discord, with uh, all the stuff happening in gaming with Fortnite and Roblox and Minecraft and, and, and so many other things. And so it made me think that there is a seam and that the next era of social will feel something like either a game or something that is kind of intrinsically participatory because it starts not about me reacting to either of your, your lives, but me reacting to your content because we're in a shared interest group or something yeah. like that. Uh, ben, how do you think about this? Because it, it seems that house parties sort of fit this thesis, right? So I think I have a couple of reactions. The first is that um, the way that big companies, big blues, as Sarah says, uh, had to create a business on top of it is actually by the best way to do it is by appealing to fear and to things that make us uh, insecure. And when you're talking about gamifying a, an algorithm, like an algorithm of a feed, 
it's basically the overarching framework of the one, for example, in the news feed uh, of Facebook's feed is uh, what are the things that make you feel less insecure and what are the things that you aspire to? And by definition, that will, over time, if you look at it like as a math equation, like an asymptote, yes. Um, uh, if you look at it to the extreme, basically what it means that you will continually going to see things that reaffirm your own beliefs and things that will uh, make you feel less and less vulnerable. Now, one of the things that is important about participation is that it requires two parts to be open and vulnerable and be okay with putting themselves out there, which, to what Sarah is saying, the feed is not a place for that because it's actually geared not for you to put yourself out there, but for you to feel comfortable where you are right now. And I think that when you... It's funny because the cliche is follow the money, but actually, if you follow the money of how you make money off the feeds, then you realize this is where the incentive alignment is different between what we actually want. The other reaction I have to your comment about uh, the Yahoo versus Facebook is that it's funny if you take a step back and you look generationally uh, how generations reacted to other generations, so boomers versus Generation X and or why now I'm confused, uh, and and then millennials, and like what happened in every key generation. So for for example, like the collapse of the middle class, uh, there our our need as millennial to feel like we are uh, have some sort of an influence that we are part of something and we have uh, security in our in our financial because. Our parents didn't get to live the American dreams, or at least on average in America, our parents didn't get to live the American dreams, but that, their parents did, the ones that came back from the war and stuff like this. So that led to an influx of behavior where things like Twitter and Facebook, where you can feel like you're gaining things and you're gaining some sort of power and you have a status of them sort, it's something that is a reaction to what the generation... So like if you want to map forward... You can't really predict what product's going to be, but you can definitely, I think, point out directionally that in in a generation that is focused about status and having people follow you and what is your influence and and how much money you're making, the reactions more likely of a gener- Gen Z is more focused on the self and who you are in in the people around you. That's what defined you, not what trends you're following or what part of a larger thing. It's like, who are the groups that you are hanging? What are weird things you're doing? What are weird things you're listening to? The identification is less about I'm Britney Spears. Uh, I love Britney Spears is more, or like whatever Kardashian is more like, it's like this weird bespoke like sticker that somebody's making. And I'm like, I get that. And I think this combined with a lot of consumer behavior that is now enabled with an online behavior that are much more uh, custom to, I think you can find really interesting. There's going to be interesting uh, companies coming that is like, okay, people that reacting to as to the centralization of influence that the millennials have, they're reacting to this. So, there's going to be the opposite direction. Plus, they have the skills of paying online, of existing online, of identifying online. So what does that mean? And 
Side note to that, just to wrap up my rant, uh, is that there are some cases where s- those things actually infiltr- infiltrate real life, not us infiltrate the internet, uh, which is also interesting. What's an example of that? Like Lil Mikel, uh, mm-hmm. or like that, I forgot the name, but that Japanese character who is like doing... Uh, an entire concert and she's all projected and oh, people yeah. go and buy tickets and go to see her live and it's it's a character and it's not just in Japan they tour all over so I think that this is like little things but it's like it's starting to become right. the opposite right you know because everything pushed to the extreme actually become the opposite yeah. which is interesting An- another thing building on the, this last point that you mentioned what Facebook did was digitize offline relationships and what some we're, I'm seeing a lot of like in-person networks that are trying to in-personize digital relationships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's interesting yes. to see if they will. I mean, you, you would scale. think like dating sites yeah. is that right? Like it's, you know, taking the bar, putting it online, but then it, cum- uh, it culminates in an offline meeting. Yeah. Dating app needs to be Twitter verification uh-huh. via Goodreads. Whoever's out there, build it. <laughs> it's for a friend. What's our request for startups? Or I guess, what have you sort of seen in participant social that is interesting? Uh, and what do you want to see more in terms of entrepreneurs building there or experimenting? Or what, what, what could you see yourself potentially back? I mean, I'm to? like, you know, I'm, I am constantly exploring social. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I just, see you. Yeah. It just, you know, it's, it's like, it, it does feel in some ways like you have to believe something that's very against the grain, but like what I, where I am spending a lot of time is definitely looking and thinking about new, new, new places to build communities and what that might look like. And, and you have to have something, it's not just about taking Facebook groups and bringing that online. That's just too, there's, there's not enough meat there to get enough people to change their behavior and move to a different place where, you have like you just have this gravitational pull to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube right. and all those places. So you need something that's truly differentiated. I haven't found something necessarily there yet. And then and then also gaming. I mean, I just I like spent. Um, I think I joked with you about this uh, actually a year ago. Spent some time playing Fortnite, uh, just getting getting a sense for it and 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 just thinking more and more about. It, it does feel like what people, you know, you, again, putting myself in the shoes of young people, like with helicopter parenting, with all these, you know, fears, kids don't have a lot of autonomy offline anymore. Like their, their days are super structured. They, they are always having someone looking over their shoulder. And, and yet they want to be successful at something. They want to have the autonomy that, that we've all grown up with. And we yeah. were very lucky to have that. And so the place that they're finding that is with online gaming. And so you have, you know, you have these new types of communities that are being formed in gaming and are becoming the third space where you can kind of from the safety of your own home still have those those experiences that we all had as kids yeah. with, Talking with, shit. with yeah, with none, exactly <laughs> with none of the constraints of your parents looking over you except for the time yeah. you know the the person nagging you about the time that you spend but so that that feels like what you're starting to see is more of the social DNA spliced into the gaming DNA, but there still hasn't been something that has created enough of that. It, it ended up interestingly being formed outside of the games with Discord, yeah. which is, you know, obviously a benchmark company. Yeah. I I also think I take this approach of like 
we need to go outside and explore as individuals regardless of our age because I think you can actually gain so much from dabbling or even going deep sometime on things that you feel like are left field or like just like not your area. I think in the basics where the, the, the systems of which we are exist are so similar no matter what we're looking at. So you kind of can draw an, an, an analogies from anything. I never thought about this point, and it's, I think it's such a brilliant point, Sarah, that, um, that kids today are getting so helicoptered, yeah. so they're finding outlet outlet uh outside and i think that's like one of those beautiful analogies that like as a parent now it like clicks right so that's that's really cool i definitely think that the fact that i spent time wandering as a kid and like it was okay to just wander in the street and like go do things uh is something that i'm grateful for because you kind of it creates a muscle of curiosity and i'm now with sarah's comment i'm like ah I get why people uh, go in and like explore Fortnite and like build all these things. Right. And it, like, but, I mean, the hours that you spend, it's your, it's your own little kingdom. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and like, yeah, it's just such a different, it's such a different world for our kids. Yeah. And there's something so like, there's something so healthy about it and, and enabling it. And, and look, I'm not, I'm, I'm not thinking about companies for really young kids, but you've got to imagine that, a lot of, you know, the, if you think about the, the sequencing that we've seen of the game's progression with each generation, it feels like the amount of time that each subsequent generation is going to be spending in things that feel more like games is only going to grow. But that only speaks to that, like, reaction to yeah. a generation. Because a generation before, people wandered around. You know, now you don't have it. You get a helicopter. Yes. So the reaction to this is, like, where can I find outlet to build my own reality so i think it's pretty yeah but ready player one then only how many generations away i mean it's actually kind of the one the head fake that we've all had in social has been vr because it does feel like it's been you know as an opportunity to have even more separation from the real world but yet the the hardware is just not where it needs to be i mean there's there's many things when can you see yourself spending more more time there and looking at like when will be what is Years, like, what will be even the indicator that you should be spending time there? We're in transition, and every time we're in transition, there's, like, fermentation of something, and we want to believe in something. And always, you go back, you look at the history, always there's, like, this one electric car that was there from the 70s. And just, like, it didn't, it didn't, it wasn't there to make it. Like, it wasn't there culturally, it wasn't there in, like, the unit economics on the batteries. Like, it wasn't there. But... Let me tell you, somebody dumped money on creating that car. And it was important because it's part of the natural process of the market to build muscles forward. And I think you see it with Magic Leap. I think you see it with other companies when you're like, this is cool, but... And and it's paving the way, but it's also like you think about uh, Palm. You know, and like not to talk about the same conversation all the time, but it's like just if you don't look at it like, oh, that that was uh, that was interesting moment when somebody thought about something 20 years before and you actually look at it systematically and you say every time there is a transition period and in the transition pe- period, usually and I think that's what's happening right now in social. There is a transition period. What happened is that there is a quiet fermentation and 
we, in that exploration of transition, people try to shoot to ideas that are just like three steps away and we want to believe them. And this is where a lot of, there's just like a big graveyard there. But it's, it's an important graveyard because it's also a stepping stone for, for where we're headed, you know? Yeah. The, I, I want to talk about some other spaces that have been well treaded. Um, so one is, and you're the world expert, live video, uh, meerkat house party caught, uh, lightning in a bottle twice. Um, what have we sort of, you know, HQ trivia came out, like, what have we sort of learned about live video? Will there be a big, uh, you know, live video independent company? Uh, take chances down that evolution a little bit. 100%. I just don't think we have the tools yet to, to solve something like house party on a large scale and have it somebody for, and have it as part of our daily life. We need to solve two things. And I'm giving the cheat cards for whoever wants to build that company. Uh, one, you need shared availability. So how do you solve the problem of presence? What ho- what works really well with House Party is that people uh, are eighty-four 84% are like high schoolers. And they have shared availability, meaning they start the day at the same time, they finish the day at the same time, they go to vacations at the same time. And in a presence participatory kind of product, uh, it's really important that your friends are online when you are or else you don't get to participate, right? The other thing that I think is often, uh, it's not that obvious, is that shared code of conduct, uh, which in high schools, it's pretty clear who are, who's friend with whom, who you are allowed to sit next to in the cafeteria table. But what happens is as we are getting older and we progress with our own story and narrative in our life, we have different schedules. So not like if Sarah thinks now about uh, 10 friends that she has, Maybe one of them is available to talk now, maybe, yeah. uh, which is different in high school. Because in high school, if it's after 3 p.m., you think about 10 best friends, eight of them are probably available to talk to you right now. <laughs> and um, But also, like, we have different friends. Like, yeah. we have different circles of friends. And sometimes we have multiple close friends that are not from the same circles. And that's a interesting problem to solve because the... The asynchronous nature of the reality and the asynchronous is in the atoms, where the atoms exist. Because reality continues. I hope I'm not making it too complicated. But something cool can happen somewhere with all your friends and you can decide whether you're going to be there or not. Right. But it doesn't create anyone hardship if you don't show up or you show up late. Like, you know what I mean? When you bring it into a platform... And there's a conversation happening and people are aware that you are not proactively not taking part of it. That creates different dynamics that otherwise in the reality you have a lot of plausible deniability and tens of thousands of years of social engineering that you know what you can do and not. So uh, to that point, to get it to get it a little bit to the ground, I think that if I were to look at how to solve it moving forward is like where do people what what are the hardwares that people are present around like i actually think that um facebook uh, take facebook out of the equation the brand and think about portal as the tool combined with like a house party thing i actually think it's there's something really cool there that can actually have some sort of more sustainable use case because it removes the problem of the shared availability and it's also focused on when you're home after you like I can see a situation in which instead of watching Netflix, 
like you just jump into friends uh, circles and you can like jump between living rooms and like just hang, you know, and that's like your numb scrolling, but it's more, you're more in with your friends and like, you, you know, the book club and, uh, and your other friends who are like more like, say like cheeky and doing some stupid shit or drinking, you jump there, but you're like, that's your Netflix experience. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that I love that idea. It's a little bit like you have to surf off of another experience that is synchronous, right? Like, I mean, like I think about gaming and Discord, right? Like a big part of what Discord, well, the big reason why Discord became what it is today is because they just nailed the video experience so that if you are doing a synchronous experience, which is gaming, um, you can also have each other's videos and, and you're describing Netflix. I mean, I think you're describing it as like a standalone experience where you're just doing the synchronous video, but you could also imagine the like sofa ex- living room experience where you guys are watching a movie together and then there's the, the synchronous video. I definitely think yeah. that, that, that should exist and that there is, there is, that it could solve a lot of our, uh, the problems that we encountered that, we're kind of realized we're just like limited to the high schoolers because they just have those two things as part of the primitives of the behavior. But definitely when you, when you solve that present stuff and it's more about, Hey, I have time now. Let's do something together or like see who is all together. Like, can you imagine an entire TV OS that is based about you and presence with, with the people you care about? Like an entire TV OS. Do you think like one of the things just when you look at, the history of the synchronous versus asynchronous equivalent, the asynchronous one is always just so much bigger than the synchronous. Yeah. And so do you think, do you think that changes over time? Like just as we're more and more connected, we have more and more presence or is it always going to be more of an, a niche experience? So if you believe that things are getting more and more automated, the things that are going to get more and more automated are the asynchronous stuff. And I think that where we find creativity and where we find the most joy, where I personally find the most joy and creativity is the moments in which I'm open and present with the people I care about and I have meaningful relationship and meaningful experiences with them. And I think that the mirror of it, when you think about like, let's just like you're working in a startup and a product development. I think the most beautiful moments in a product development is where we are present and open with each other, where we can challenge each other to have better idea and better work. And that doesn't happen asynchronously. And it's like, it's a funny yin and yang. And I totally agree with you that when we look at what would Peter say, kind learning environment, when you look back and you say... Normally, the asynchronous stuff are the the big side. I agree with that. But when you look forward, more of those things are going to be automated, and it's all going to be more and more. And I'm, I don't know if it's ten years from now. If I, it's more going to be about our creativity and our being present and our being in the moment. There's a reason why those things are so powerful because they're the only things that are true, and only thing that are true to what you know. It's like. Well, and I'm not sure what you mean by automate. Like what I think about is, I mean, even just taking the proxy of Peloton and the percentage of the video time that gets watched live versus asynchronous. Yeah. Like I, 
it's probably even more extreme when you think about live video versus like YouTube video yeah. or tele, like your phone calls versus just all yeah. the messaging that happens. I mean, the asyn- it just asynchronous is just so much easier yeah. than getting two people to line I up. I agree. Yeah. I, I agree. But I, I don't think that the synchronous is going to go away. Oh, for sure. It's, yeah. just, it's just a question of will does the- it become meaningful? In what way will it become meaningful? Like, can it become meaningful as a standalone app, or does it end up being uh, like a feature of something else? I I think it's a it's a fair question. I think there's going to be more of synchronous. I agree with that. I don't know if it's if it's going to be more than asynchronous. It's hard for me to imagine that. So, Ev Williams had this quote. uh, I couldn't find it, but something along the lines of find a behavior people have been doing forever, remove steps uh, mm-hmm. to make it frictionless. So let's sort of zoom out on the current sort of social media landscape. Like we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Pinterest, we have Snap, we have Tinder, you know, TikTok. Are these all competitive in some sense? What needs do you see them as respectively solving? And then where is sort of white space in between that? I mean, well, they're absolutely competitive just because you're fighting for people's time. Yeah. And, and you're fighting for that moment when someone is commuting or sitting at their computer screen and they should be working, but they're actually yeah. looking to, um, to distract themselves. Yeah. And so they're, they're, they're definitely competitive. And, um, so I have a personal, well, I, I, you know, we talk a lot about, in venture, just bundling and unbundling. Yeah. You know, what what are the experiences that can that are um, currently bundled? Like Facebook, we've talked about as one. YouTube, I think, is another one. Oh, I know. And, and so I, you know, I invested in the company. It's it's uh, it's in stealth, so I can't I can't talk about it. But it is one of these ones where I believe that there is an opportunity to unbundle some of what's happening on YouTube, and that these guys are going after that. Um, and and I think that there's an opportunity to unbundle things like LinkedIn too. And what, what are the experiences there that are, it's just so it's a blunt. I mean, LinkedIn is incredibly powerful for the three of us, but when you are a real estate agent or a doctor or, you know, name your other vertical, it's and even actually, I would think for, for engineering, there's just so much more that can be done. And so I think that there's a ton of white space and just creating more vertical specific networks. I agree with the unbundling comment. In fact, we, <laughs> we invested in the same. Yes, yes. Unbundling YouTube? I think yeah. that's one of those things that you can do there. And I think it also goes to the co- to the coping mechanism, the human coping mechanism of how do I react to the fact that there's too much information, too much things that are centralized. I just want to go back to the simple experience of something that I want. And now those big blues or YouTube are doing so much. And how do I retreat to who are my close friends? What do I really want to do? Also, I have a comment on faceless experience. And I'll, I'll explain what I'm saying. I think I actually, I'm not long on TikTok. And I know, I know, I know TikTok is, 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 it's a big phenomena. And I like every now and then go back and like play with it. And I just like, there's something about the fact that is imagine you're walking through a museum and then there is a bunch of art that you don't know who did it. There is going to be a time in which that ice cream museum or whatever the Instagram trap you're calling, uh, you're calling it, it's the same thing. We are removing the deep connection. And actually, as human beings, I don't think that we 
really find value at a platform or assign our identity to something like that for a long term when 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 we don't see where it fits with the people that we actually know and where we and it doesn't chart our territory in society or where we feel belonged and i think this sense of belonging is much more deep with this generation, I'm talking Generation Z, it's much more deep and much more important to them because in our generation, I got 5,000 uh, friends on Facebook and I have the, you know, that what's our sense of belonging because we reacted to different things. So I actually think that I'm, I, I'm actually less excited about faceless consumption like a TikTok. Mm, that's interesting. And like, so just to summarize, like what you're saying is that because almost like the, it's, you know, there's that expression, is it a feature or a bug? And one of the feature, one of the things that people have said is a feature of TikTok is that when you create content, they make sure that that content gets a chance to be viewed. And so, and that's how the virality will happen for, yeah. for, for what can feel like random people. And the bug of that is that then the follow graph that you end up accruing isn't actually something tight to whom you are. And there's going are. to be fatigue because yeah. in the because yeah. people are going to grow up and they're going to be like that's not meaningful enough for me. That's like something that's that's me wearing the yeah. the sneakers that everybody wore and now I grew up out of it. And I think that that's what's going to happen. So where is the meaning going to come from in this next generation? I don't know, but I think that if you use the framework of when you see it, you should judge it with the framework of does it give somebody sense of belonging? Does it help them understand better themselves? Does it help them fit themselves in in a world that there is have too many information and we don't even know whether information is right or not? Like, how do I feel happy with what I have? I think that's very important thing that people miss. That people miss, uh, people miss from, from, uh, our generation is how am I happy about things that happen in the future? And I'm working toward a dream and I'm going to have this, like, younger generation is like, what, what I'm doing now is cool and I'm pretty happy with what, with the friends I have. And, and it's really important for me that I have certain values and I want to, I want to keep to them. And that's what's important and what makes me happy. And I, think that despite the fact that you have coolness factors and hype factors, which we've seen, I think, for example, Snap, the reason it's so relevant and still relevant, I think, and if you see, the lenses were the growth, but 64% of the usage is the DMs and the very basic primitives that I want to text somebody and have plausible deniability about it. And that's still strong and it still exists and that's still a pain and people use it. And the lenses, they're just like, oh my God, I can be a girl. Let me redownload, let me, let me redownload Snap and, and do it. Or let me open this product again. You know, that's just like growth, but that's not what the product is. And I think TikTok is just lenses and viewership and lenses and viewership is like going to a club in Kabul. It's cool. You might, some people do it three times a year. Some people do it 10 times a year. Some people do it once in their life and never come back. But <laughs> raising my hand. And, but, but it's not there to give me identity or teaches me anything. It's just an outlet, outlet of fun. And that's why I don't think it's a platform. 
It's interesting. You make me think about just another thing that I've been thinking about with social, which is the move of things from public to private. Like I don't I don't, like I recently I've just been feeling I've been in, in a mood with Twitter lately where I just feel like the character restriction creates a culture of communication that is that is almost definitionally trolly. Yeah. Um and and like and, and and it's one of these things where the experience of someone the more followers they get in in some ways it's, it becomes a better experience but in many ways it becomes this this anchor that you that grows and grows, which is the response, the kind of quick res- negative responses back that, that a lot of people have to deal with. And so <clears throat> I know so many people, and I felt this so many times myself, where you want to say something online in a public forum, and you don't, because it's not worth the negative reaction that can come. And, and I just, I just feel now, nowadays, more than ever that if you're a public figure, there's more that you have to lose by speaking publicly than to than to gain. Like there's just yeah. people are waiting for the, the outrage culture is so strong that people are waiting for that moment where they can pounce with outrage and cancel culture. Like there's all those things coming together. And so it's and and you know, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, many of these are intrinsically about public public expression. And so you have like obviously the the what what a lot of young people have done with Instagram which is having their Finsta account, you know, where you can have multiple expressions of your own identity so that you feel like you you know you have that that like t- close-knit group of people that you're forming around yourself. But what I also hear a lot and I've you know I start to do this myself is is things moving from the public to the kind of the living room, like the private, and and that being an enabler, hopefully, for more authenticity in these conversations. But it still remains to be seen whether that ends up becoming something that is that that can that can pull enough people in. To add to that, I think that there is also we perceive public and private in a certain way, and I think maybe new generations have a different definition of what is public. And one product that comes to mind, which is a public that is more intimate use case, which almost answer, does the same thing, but it's still... It's like, you, you know this product, CoStar? Oh, yeah. Like course, a social yeah. network, yeah, yeah. but it's not really... It's much more private because it's like your astrology, horoscope, but like with your friends. And like, you can almost think about that graph as like a... It's very tight graph, but it's also like public because I can have your username and like look at this. And I find it to be putting aside the conversation about astrology and what value you find it or not. Uh, but we all read books or if we believe in some system of beliefs, we all use narratives to make sense of our life. So does, I'm just respecting astrology as a narrative that help us make sense of our life and it's as valid as any, any other thing uh, as, as, a, as an outlet or as... 100% a, I yeah. agree with you, yeah. The fact that there is growing, growing people that use that to navigate the world but also want to share it with a group of people so they can go through that journey together. I think that also says that it's this is not exactly private but it's a reimagination of public under a specific lens that is a much more private use case. And I think what I'm trying to say that 
it's a symptom going from pri- uh, public to private. It's a symptom of something that is like I I want to see what's real. I want to challenge what's real. I want to own what's real. Uh, and there's different way that we deal in with what is real. And and I think that's just like interesting. Yeah, I have so many remarks. I mean, the on on Twitter, I think we're already seeing what uh, sort of Anne Rand like a Twitter version of what um, happened in Atlas Shrugged, Anne Rand's book, where basically a lot of the wealthy people just basically went, went they went away, they left society, went to Galt's Gulch, and are now you know they're leaving Twitter and contributing in Signal Signal groups. Um, I think there's this, um, but I take sort of a opposite lesson. Like I think. Things are going to go private, but I think it's going to be temporary. Um, there's this book called Non-Zero. You got into theoretical physics and evolutionary psychology earlier. I'll, I'll, I'll match as well. This book, Non-Zero, which talks about basically the story of humanity over time is uh, inc- one of increasing social complexity and humans having to sort of morally progress to be able to handle that complexity from being able to, you know, uh, spend time in groups of, you know, 10 people to 150 people to, you know, cities to countries to nation states to, to, you know, one global brain. Um, that along the way we had to stop publicly hanging people and we had to stop having religious wars. And, and what happens is there's just so much carnage that eventually cancel culture and all of the metaphorical equivalents over time just like kind of go away after after a while after it's shown how how silly they are we sort of rise above to meet those needs so i don't think that uh likes are going away or that um you know all these features of instagram i don't think the comparisons are, are going away or that you know opportunities to gain status are going away as much as we will improve our ability to be less jealous or be less insecure Maybe <laughs> that that's sort of a of a of an opinion I have, and, and it goes on two different dimensions. One is the increased need for belonging. So there's a lot of uh, IRL uh, communities forming that effectively you're serving some versions of, of religion in terms of sense making, in terms of ritual. Um, but then also sort of like you know what does Substack for communities look like? Um, in that people are you know increasingly wanting to be a part of digital and um, and and IRL communities, but then also I think of status and belonging as as pretty similar. And so new ways to uh, to create status on the internet, like uh, could you rebuild Yelp around um, who's the first person to discover uh, a restaurant or a band or at Foursquare, everything? Um, new uh, what the internet does is you know before the internet was like you were either the football player or like the cheerleader, and now you know you're, you're you know you're a meerkat, like all these you know different types of. Uh, you know, communities and platforms and ways to, to gain status. And I think they will only be increasing. Yeah, I mean, so. it's, it's a great allusion to the Eugene Way. Yes, let's talk about it. Like that is, I mean, I, I thought that article was so brilliant. And it talks about also why we're going to keep regenerating new social products. Yeah. Because there's always going to be the people who do want to form a specialty, become a leader in a new emerging social uh, platform to kind of accrue that new status. And so it creates the opportunity where like Twitter is already baked in some ways. I mean, it's really hard to start from zero and and build a big following. I mean, my partner Chathan is doing a fantastic (laughs) job of it. It's like, I love seeing him tweet, but like, it's, it's really, really hard. And you think about TikTok. I mean, there's, there's, there likely are going to be these moments where your ability to, to gain status, uh, declines and which creates an opportunity for something new to come in and, 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 and let some new generation or new group of people accrue their new status. What's the way to think about how to build big during social companies? Is it you either create this rich data set like a Yelp 
or maybe Pinterest or some of the companies that, that or Glassdoor, I don't know, that keep people coming back? Or, it, or do you have to just, you know, create uh, sort of a mechanism by which people come back all the time for the rest of their life, <laughs> like, like Snap or something? Um, what, what is sort of the ways, the frameworks of interpreting what makes an enduring social company? Well, I have a specific way of thinking about this. Um, I wrote a post called The Hierarchy of Engagement. And so the way I think about it is like you want to create a, a product that um, is sticky and it does it with two ways. One is that you create accruing benefits. So the more you use a product, the better it gets for you and, and mounting loss. The more you use a product, the more you have to lose by leaving the product. And, and you know, Pinterest did this with personalization, with, you know, the accruing benefits are the personalization, how your home feed gets better and better the more you use it. Um, you also have more to lose by leaving it because you have the board with all your favorite books or recipes or whatever it may be. Snap does it in a completely different way because they're, they're owning the graph that you have and your communications. And so there's always that next communication that if you lose, if, if you leave Snap, you don't get that you're out of the flow where your friends are. And so that's an incredibly sticky way of doing it too. It has, I'll, I'll, I'll say a much higher in like DAU or WAU or MAU because it's, you know, such a uh, messaging is like one of the stickiest, most um, high frequency use cases you can have versus a Pinterest is more like a, a WAU over MAU type experience. Yeah. Um, but I think that there's, there's so much possibility, but you do have to create something that, gets you know that has those dynamics yeah i want to name a few spaces and get your uh, get your hot takes on them voice audio sorry i know you're you're bearish um uh you're even airpods as a platform uh talk a little about that i mean i so i've been i've been bearish so far and and look kind of similar to our vr conversation before like i think that you know it's it's a constant Reevaluating of of one's views. You know, the reason I've been skeptical of voice so far, audio, is that I've always kind of thought of it as this awkward teenager between the density of information you get with text and the density of like emotion and 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 content that you get with video. And it feels like it ends up being stuck much more in like a commute use case uh, where you're walking, you're in the subway, you're, you're driving um, because it's not, it's not by itself something that you would, you would do. Now, AirPods certainly makes that bigger. Like there's more time that you can use them, but I still, I still don't quite feel like I would, I would, outside of podcasts which are very educational and content are for a very specific niche of people there you know there's people trying to create audio stories i don't know if you guys have followed any of those companies and it's still like to me yeah. i would rather either read text or watch a video yeah i just don't opt into the audio only experience so you 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 doubt benchmark making an investment in like a netflix for audio or, or podcasting company. i just i struggle i personally i mean you know i'm not the i'm yeah. not the only one at benchmark and there's some other people who are more uh, enthusiastic about the space uh i know bill in particular has always been thinking about this and believes that he there's an opportunity GCC. yeah and what does he see about it he, he, he well i think that he just he believes very similar to the netflix metaphor that the content that we that is in podcasts right now and in audio is so fantastic and yet all of the podcasting app experiences are just anemic. There's like so much to be done. 
And, and, you know, you see what kind of Michael Lewis did recently with the, the podcasting um, app that he was behind. There's, it feels like there is something to be built, a new experience, but I just don't know whether, you know, there's so much free content. Yeah. And, and I, yeah, I just, I personally just struggle with and it. And Andy Weissman at USV just created this sort of romantic comedy. Yeah, yeah, audio. yeah. Yeah, and uh, I don't see the use ca- anchor use case either, like a Twitter for audio. Yeah, I just, again, it's, you know, the density of, inf- like, your ability to read really quickly, like yeah. some just go through text messages or um, tweets or whatever it is versus having to listen to a audio clip where you have no way of knowing until you start and listen to it whether it's going to be worth it. Yeah. You know, it just like you have to you're always in a in a fight for people's attention. And yeah. people are going to go to the place where they have the biggest re, like return on dopamine that they can get. Yeah. And and audio just doesn't feel like it's going to it's do really it. It's interesting to think of uh, a network that is based on podcasts, but it's like not about just discover, it's just like your chats or interaction with the community are based on what you're listening to. So maybe every episode is like a group chat by itself and it's kind of an existing, but it's also, I don't know. And it's also a way for you to kind of find other podcasts based on the people that are there. But I mean, that's like, kind of been some of the, bit, yeah. yeah. I mean, Breaker is the one that gets closest yeah. to this in terms yeah. of, um, comments and liking things and being yeah. able to sh- follow people, um, but it's still not not quite. Yeah, there. like pocket for mm-hmm. podcasts. Yeah, huh. I actually have a s- nuanced uh, prescription because uh, I think that there is something that I thought was really hard in house party for people, which is the short availability and the fact that they need their face to be on. And in fact, you know, unfortunately in the society that we are in, females on average have been conditioned to be marginalized to their look. And because of that, they're much more uh, hesitant before going on video. And that's not because who they are. It's because the society that brings them up that uh, promote certain motives and ideals like prom and like Beauty and the Beast and whatever it is that we're feeding our kids from an early age. And because of this, it was really a conscious, intentional decision for a female to jump on a house party. And I think that when a company comes and say like, hey, look, AirPods is like, it's much longer presence because people just have it in there and people don't need to see each other. I think Maybe it's a way for you to revisit uh, House Party. And there is a company that is like uh, TTYL. Yeah, TTYL. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think that this is interesting. But I also agree. I also agree with you, Sarah, and the, the overarching comment. So, yeah. What about sort of uh, avatars or digital? We talked about little Michaela earlier. I see you playing with avatars sometimes. Like mm-hmm. Bit, Bitmoji-like companies or... Yeah. Do, do you think there's going to be an independent company here in this, or did Snap just win it by buying Bitmoji or like a digital marker that identifies us on the internet? I mean, I, I do love the idea of, of a kind of the creative self-expression of yourself without having to feel judged about like w- with your own specific, you know, physical form. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think there's something there. I just don't yeah. know what form it's not to me. It's not a standalone 
feature. Yeah. I mean, like it's not. There's you know we already have the keyboard with Bitmoji, and there's there's been so many other tool. Like there's a lot yeah. of tools right now that are new new ways of creating avatars, and yeah. and those are all. A little bit like Dove Smash, where it's just it's a tool and they don't become a network themselves. Yeah. Um, Dove Smash did actually become a network, I believe, but um, but it took them a while and they missed they missed the first the first wave. But so I think it'll be something that is part of something else, and I just don't know if it'll be a standalone right. thing. And how come these companies, some of these companies, are not maybe not it's not fair to lump HQ Trivia in this, but companies that get hot and then don't endure. Yeah. What, what what is it? Is it is it, is it retention or is it scale? HQ Trivia. Please. HQ Trivia is exactly my point, my my, my micro, macro point about TikTok, where there is some there's something there, but you haven't delivered about how do you create intimacy and how do you create meaningful relationship with the product and with my story existing with the product. So it's cool, it's cool, we're all doing it. It's cool, it's cool, it's cool, it's cool until it's not. And the product did not. If if I had a comment to the product team there was like, how come we didn't end up building things in between those broadcasts that are about me playing with my friends and building that kind of relationship. And then you just sort of kind of instrument the entire product to build more things that people do together uh, play together. And then yes, your DAU will move to, will move to W uh, to weekly active users, but that's, that's fine. Cause I think, at least it gives you an opportunity not to become like yeah. something that just comes and goes. And I think if you think about a, a product as an instrument, I think that maybe TikTok has fewer notes to play. And not TikTok, uh, HQ. And let's say TikTok has more notes, so you can have more melodies of how to play it. But it's also going to run out. And not everybody is going to be too prof- proficient in it. So it's really about like what is the collective narrative that I'm part of and both of these products did not give a, a clear answer uh, some to a shorter extent and I think TikTok for a longer extent. I mean all like what I, I agree with a lot of what you said I think um, you know HQ never created either of the things I articulated before like they didn't have any accruing benefits and they didn't have really any amount exactly. of loss like there was and so if you if they had done what Ben would describe that would be such a beautiful way of creating that stickiness between the exclamation points of like the live shows but they just they just didn't do that and so there was no depth of the experience and and like then you would have a graph and then like somebody would just like launch a game and then like it would be like a micro hq which is between you and your friend where you get a push and then like out of 50 friends that you have like 10 will jump in and you will play against each other like that really that's cool like that's really cool that it's something that i can do here and i cannot do other way and that i think was a really missed opportunity yeah. there because yeah. there was a moment where all your friends were all that and yeah. you could have built that graph and like god damn it yeah and i guess like it? to use like the where i'll i'll differ <laughs> a little bit is that you know if to use your analogy it almost felt like hq were like the symbols where you like you know you bang them together and then like you yeah. bang them together and that's yeah. like the note yeah. whereas like i think tiktok has a a more, lot more, more range yeah like it's not even it's you know it's not even percussion it's yeah, like yeah, going yeah. into the string instruments because you do yeah 
have, you know, you have like Not this... talking shit about percussions or you percussion <laughs> players out there. I was a violinist, so yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm biased. But, um, but you know, there's just the you you have the accruing I benefits. Agree. You know, your people, your people who follow you, the audience that you build, the, the people that you follow. So you go in and like the for you channel yeah. just gets better and better. And then the mounting last, which is like the people, you know, you you do create a little world there, like all social products do. Um, which is just not something that HQ even got close to. Exactly. Yeah. Dating. Uh, I feel like there could be. I'll say my bias. So much thoughts. Okay. Good. Just I'll shut up. I feel like there's yeah. there can be another independent big company in the space. There's so oh, much yeah, left absolutely. on the table. Absolutely. So I really think, and I think some companies are starting to uh, think about it, but I really think that there is an asymmetric deficiency between like i see how my friends like i'm married but i see how my friend use dating apps and i'm like it i'm really curious about it and there's something fundamentally unfair for females when they go to uh any kind of dating app and i think there's some uh, like bumble is like trying to fix it by changing the dynamics and the power dynamics of who initiates the conversation but i also think like it's so easy for men to pretend to be something that they are not and those platforms help that and also those platforms promotes the things that actually speaks to the insecurities going back to the feeds of the other person of the female or male whatever it is the other side of the equation like oh somebody's hotter somebody's like on a different status or somebody you know all of these things and now where i think uh there is a real opportunity especially when you think in a young generation is like bring back speed dating. And the reason is, and I think a speed dating married with an HQ trivia, not for gaming, but you get a push every day at 8 p.m. or 7 p.m. And all your matches just like lined up one by one. And what it does, I know from a house party, it gives everyone an opportunity to look good because they know it's 7 p.m. And you have, it comes at 7 p.m. You swipe in. And let me tell you, within that one minute that you're going to talk to somebody, you're going to know if he's a jerk or not. And that's going to save you a lot of time. And it's also created this like interesting dynamics where I can see people sitting in a dinner and just like, oh, fuck, like two people got like pushes. There's like people waiting to talk to them. Like, guys, 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 like I'm having like seven dates right now. And people are hanging around like this is my friend, Eric. And, you know, maybe maybe the girl or whoever it is on the other side is like, oh, meet meet my friends. And like you have a conversation and you can understand so much in that in that moment that it will save you all the fucking dick pics that are horrible, all the fucking language. And uh, I think it's some sort of an emotional abuse that for some reason women just like learn to be okay with it and it's not okay and i think like actually putting people face to face is like makes you feel like you it's so much easier to read nobody can like you you don't find yourself in a first date and like fuck like what am i doing here spending an hour of my life i think it's a great idea you know all right let's do it right here yeah no but 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 you get what i'm saying so every day at the same time People just jump in and talk to the thing. And it's like a thing everybody's doing. And like you would be in a restaurant like, what are these people doing? And it's just just like, I feel somebody has to do that. Yeah. No, I love it. Sarah, put your VC hat on and say why they're terrible businesses. I'm just kidding. But can can you see yourself investing in a a dating app in the next 
15 years <laughs> or like how, how do you think about it yeah i mean i like we were involved with tinder at benchmark and and had just seen how incredible that company has has executed and, and just it's so much bigger than i think i ever imagined it would be and so apps and, and Such apps, a monster it, in it's also. incredible it's just an incredible business and and again like it just it it's like it's going to be on the right side of history like it just feels like these trends are only becoming more and more true. My 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 sister just got married to someone that she oh. met on I forget which which site. So, you know, it is the the default now. Yeah. It feels like, and so there should be all types of new experiences that get reinvented. And I love I love the authenticity that you can enable with something like what Ben was just describing. Totally. How about uh, pseudonymous social networks or location based uh, social networks? Uh, things that have been tried, you know, haven't really worked at scale. In an enduring way. I think that the problem with the location-based social network is, by the way, side note, I love Zenly. Yeah. I, regardless of it being benchmark company, uh, I, yeah, an all-time, 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 uh, all-timer on the product, and I really love all these little things. The thing is that the basic use case is, and I don't think it's going to grow. It's like you and the 10, maybe 20 if you're really hyper-social. Uh, people and what Find Friends is doing is just about good enough, and I think this is where good enough is good enough. Where it does get interesting is not in the Western culture, in the Eastern culture, where there is much more structured way of how you look at your social circles, mm-hmm. products that actually help you get some of this experience but with different control and have so much more fun this is why we see zenly like working really great in japan indonesia all this that that places there is like when when i was in japan what i've learned is like in in twitter they have four or five different profiles each for different type of friends that they have they have their their anonymous one they have the one for the class the classmates they have the one for their best friends and that's actually a pretty rigorous way of looking of your social circles and i think products that do better find find friends are actually better for them and this is why they use it where here the last people who texted the last 10 people who texted you are your 10 best friends and so this is like the two dynamics also there's an entire conversation about why live streaming could work and is working to some extent in the eastern markets than uh than the western markets and that's a so I and and to your second thing about anonymous, I actually constantly when I see something that is anonymous, I'm asking myself, does it enable me to do something besides trolling? Does it enable me to do something that I couldn't do before? And every time I get back to something that is will lead to some sex or in, uh, uh, no sexual drive. Or doing something prohibited. That's the only time where I see, and the and the problem with like the workspace stuff is that you cannot really count on the incentive and the reasons why somebody put in something there. And you, if your strategy is to go to the place where all the insecure people who were, were not reflective and thoughtful enough about their misfortunes uh, in their careers are putting all the shit out there anonymously, and you're going to build your strategy based on that, you're already fucked. So now, when you think about what you actually gain. Out of out of an anonymous thing, it's always come to like things that are illegal, uh, where you where you would do something like this. So, yeah, those and, communities and devolve so quickly. 
Yeah. I mean, they, I 100% agree with everything yeah. you said. And like, yeah, those communities devolve so quickly. You have to have, you can't have pure anonymity. You have to have pseudo anonymity so that you still have like a, a identity of some sort that you are creating on a platform. Somebody can be back to your user. Right. Yes. Maybe not you, but your yes, user. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, which is like Twitter. I mean, that's a lot of Twitter and Reddit. Like there's some, there are a lot of pseudo anonymous accounts already yeah. um but i i'm i'm deeply skeptical just like ben of something that's pure anonymity i just think it, it's you need more natural incentives to create the right human behaviors so i have two sets of last questions one i'm curious if you have a take on uh twitter just announced the other day that they're sort of embarking on sort of decentralized social media and they're putting a team on it <laughs> is there anything interesting going on there and two ben you're starting a new company and you you know uh have a this perspective on consumer social and you're doing something in sort of uh, re- the remote space. Uh, and it's more, I'm sort of curious for the broader commentary of what are all the last generation of consumer founders doing and, and why did you pick this space as opposed to doing anything in the space that we've been discussing all day? So I, I think that I need, uh, I think it's important for any type of builder to like sometime take a step back and let transition happen and come and and go do something else that is uh, provoking your curiosity. I think it's a really important muscle, and this is why I bake bread, and this is why I play music. Mm. Um, Have you read Range? You're you're a disciple of it. I actually, Peter gave yes. it to me, yeah. but I was really like, yes, yeah. I've been yeah. doing. You're like, this I already thing. know this. <laughs> Not that I already know. There's some interesting thing, but yeah. it's like, it's it's a. I think it's extremely important because, for example. My core product philosophy is something that I borrow from, I cook a lot. So from something from French gastronomy, it's called mise en place. And mise en place is basically in French gastronomy, how you organize the kitchen is how it enables the chef to act in it. And when you think about the core fundamental things of how I think about when I work with teams on product development is like, when I think about the user, it's like, what is the mise en place? What is the environment that we're creating that make the user feel like they can take agency in that. So how you organize the environment really paves the way of how you, and I pay attention a lot to this and designer really hates it because it means <laughs> that we need to look at everything. We need, we cannot look at a feature just like where it is. You need to take four steps back all the time and understand where it fits in the mise en place because it, 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 it really different in product development. If, if, uh, if the knife is next to the counter or in the drawer, it says something about what kind of food we're cooking. If every time we need to take it from the drawer or it's on the counter, it like, and, and there's like numerous, like, and in this case, a knife could be a button or a product language, but it, you know what I mean? So I think going back to what I'm trying to say is that I think it's important when you do work and I've been doing live streaming mobile for like eight years and I've been really obsessed with human presence is like to just say, okay, let's take a pause here. Cause first there's something that I'm, kind of stumbled upon that is really interesting and I really there's an itch I need to scratch and second it's okay to just like you know do something else so yes I'm doing I'm doing um I'm doing something for remote I don't think I'm ready to share details but um that's what I'm I'm working on yeah Yeah. two uh two last ideas one is you know people don't often say people often say Twitter could have been so much more People don't necessarily say the same about Facebook because it is doing so many things. What could have Twitter been in a way that might enable a new startup to be what it wasn't? Um, 
And one use case I have, uh, but I'm curious, a separate question, but related, is um, I feel Venmo could have been so much more. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, I, I think in the same way that AngelList created a status around the you know, angel uh, investments you have, I wonder if uh, your, the feed of what you spend money on can create status of... Oh, 100%. Yeah, I'm... You know, I have a fantasy of a social please. network about receipts. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> Just connect to all the receipts that I have. I want to know from my friends. I want to have group chats on what are you buying? Yeah. Why are you buying it? Who bought what? You're so stupid that you bought this. I already have it. Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. What did you... Like, yes. I want it automatically generating, totally. uh, like, group chats around the receipts. Like, I just want that. I, I want a, a profile that's like, I support the arts, I support, you know, this person, I paid for his food or whatever, <laughs> I support, um, I'm interested in the Knicks, or I, you know, it just, you can determine all my interests from what I spend money on, and who I hang out with, and... That's the business model. Yeah. What, what people will come to is like, I, would, <laughs> I you got the same sweatshirt that I got. Oh, you buy and leave us as well. What? Oh, you, you like, I think that there's so much conversation right cons- around consumer yeah. consumption that it's like lost. And, and to Sarah's point about like unbundling, like there is a, con- and another thing that I think that should happen is like so many times around dating, so many times. People are exchanging screenshots of conversations that they're having with other people to get opinion. And I just want a product. Here's another product to build. A product called Hotshot, where I take screenshots of conversations I have with potential romantic interests. That is like it, it has the permission to the photo album. When I open it, it auto uploads it doing OCR, push notification, push notification to all my friends. Ben updated his conversation with Anna. Everybody jump everybody jumps in like okay what did she say okay this is what you need to reply okay you should do this you should do that and like this is something girls do as much as boys and 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 I think that there is a product out there if you out there you, the founder, reach out to me. I'm going to help you with that. I have to say that triggers me from a privacy perspective too, to be oh, like facilitating facilitating it's not to put it out there in the world. It's like for you to, you know what? You're right. You yeah. need to find a way to obscure the other person's name. Yeah. But there is a use case that people do where they do take screenshots of like, oh my God, she asked me this. She sent something that is deeply cryptic. And what's happening is basically an internal monologue of insecurity of like how to interpret that. And you need some friends to help you how to reply to this. And it happens over and over and over. And some of the conversations are hilarious. So I just think it's like if you can tap into if you're like a married guy like me, you, you have all these bunch of like single single guys who are like complete idiots, by the way. Sorry to all of you out there. And you get those like little pushes that says like somebody updated their conversation. It's like so cool. And I also know from all my friends or girls, yes, that they have the same case. Like they would say like, Hey, Ben, like this guy sent me a screenshot. This guy that I'm texting sent me this. What do you think he's meaning? It's like, you know, that's something I would like to see on Hotshot. Yeah. Well, I, I'll tell you there's a messaging app. Isn't it called Confide that? Uh, you have to hold your finger on the screen, yeah. like to see each text bubble. 
I would, if your company becomes successful, I would want to be an investor in that company because like, <laughs> it's almost like the arms race and a privacy, which is yeah. like, I will not communicate with anybody like, like <laughs> you on iMessage or anything else. If I, if there's a risk that my, my, my chat gets screenshot. But people screenshot chat all the time. Yeah, but it's different. There's so much friction with that, right? I mean, there's still friction and it's just the idea of facilitating that. So it becomes like, a behavior that this is fair. This is a fair comment, but, but this may be the old like I'm like an old fair. I'm like an old person right now. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is this is this is it's a fair comment, but I, it's I think it's a very fair comment. But like, I think it's happening. If you already. can find a way to obscure the other person, yeah, if you can do that, that would make people feel a lot yeah. better. The uh, I think a social network around screenshots, even even just that being use, one use case yeah. of a broader, I, I think is. I totally agree. I mean, we, we play with this idea all the time at Pinterest, which is people would all the time screenshot recipes or things on websites and just like to be able to, uh, when see someone's photos, upload, like upload yeah. them under, like identify where the web- website came from and then create a pin out of that. Yeah. And the reason like, they do it because all those recipe websites, they start with like totally. an internal monologue for like yes. four pages. Yes. Somebody's just like, this guy. <laughs> there's, there's so many ads, like the experience <laughs> yeah. is just hard. Yeah. We'll wrap here unless, do you have anything yeah. interesting to say around, um, in a pressure not the interest graph, like opportunities to build companies? I mean, oh, gosh, I, so I do think like to your earlier question about what, what Twitter could have done better. I do, you know, think that it, creating the, they, they did finally release interests. Um, and I, I worked on this at Pinterest. Like it's really hard to get yeah. right. Like get it going from, a human curated experience where it's a more deterministic feed based on people you follow to aggregating people and tweets based on uh, a kind of interpreted interest is really, really hard to do. And so, um, but at the same time, it's so powerful. Like you are a new user. Like the thing that Twitter always struggled with was the new user experience. Like how do you get someone... Who it's has? Plus, it's too, it's too ambiguous. Yeah, and and so it's like it's so hard, and then you're you feel so behind everybody else, and and like it's always the same list of celebrities that they ask you to follow in the <laughs> user experience, and so having an interest where you can say like and, and not a lot of people curate their follow graphs like it's an active you're always reading things and you're not thinking necessarily if you're like a casual user of the action of following and so mm-hmm. having a an interest that you can follow that gets updated constantly based on what's happening and creates a better follow feed for that more casual user like that was just such a missed opportunity and so i feel like the percentage of people of signups to twitter that were not converted into core users yeah. is probably one of the biggest regrets I would imagine having if I were a PM there. Yeah. And has the interest rate sort of been already taken? Well, no, I mean, like Pinterest, you know, there's a lot of companies that tilt at this opportunity. Pinterest absolutely is one of those. And, and you know, what a lot of the conversation we were talking about before, like Pinterest, I, I feel like there's such an opportunity for Pinterest to continue to own this and it becomes it's like this it's a space where you are doing something online and it's really just for you it's not about you flexing in any way to other people that look at how cool my recipe board is or look at how cool the hobbies are that i'm doing like it's really about a place for me to just be the most authentic expression of myself to like and the interest that i have and it's just it's so horizontal there's so much opportunity there 
that um, I think that the, the companies just going to continue to be able to to capture that. But there's I, I you know back to the unbundling. Like I do think that there's going to be other companies, like one of the ones that um, Ben and I alluded to earlier, that will try to capture different slices of the interest graph with different entry, like different ways of entering. And much more robust tooling. I'll let you go in a second. But explain to me the unbundling bundling. Thing. I think this is great, Jim Clark quote. Yes. But is it basically? There's just new business opportunity. Anytime something is bundled, there are business opportunities to unbundle. And anytime yes. it's unbundled, yeah. business opportunities to bundle. The centralization, decentralization is again. Think about it again. It's the same like pendulum swing, like between between generations to previous generation, between markets. It's just always the reaction to centralization. There is a counter reaction, and it's just like it's like entropy. Like it has to be released. Yeah. And that's Bitcoin. No, <laughs> buy Bitcoin. No, 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 no. It's not a comment about that. I'm just kidding. I don't it's, just, it's, just, it's just like it has to happen because there is a growing generation that it says, "What the fuck are these people are doing? Spending all their time on Facebook and like dealing with all this thing." What is, I need something to react to this and feel like I have my own identity. And what was the Facebook reaction to? Like, what was the centralization a reaction to? Or the bundling. Well, oh, what was that reaction to? Is I think it was a reaction to a group, uh, a generation that grew up on the fall of the middle class is just is collapsing, and you want to feel like you have some sort of a status, and you want to feel like you have some sense of power, I guess, and it also it also appealed to. A lot of things that you couldn't do before, which is, I'm sorry to say it in the beginning, it's like you wanted to creep on other people. Yeah, it was voyeurism. That's what I was going to say. We call it voyeurism. I was, I was we at call Harvard. It but it's... I was at Harvard. I remember like one of the features yeah. was you got to see who else was going to be in your class and you could start being like, oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You're like, all right. Yeah, Thailand summer 2004. Make, make Here sure I sit come. next to that person. That's, that's what people used it. That's what people used it in the beginning. And that's okay, I guess, because this is who we are as humans. It is. It's a great place to close. Yeah. Buy Bitcoin. Uh, <laughs> oh my, God. my my guests have been Zara Tavel, Benchmark, and Ben Rubin. Um, stay tuned for, for the next thing. Uh, thank you both so much for thank coming on the podcast. So thank you very much. Yeah. If you're an early stage entrepreneur, we'd love to hear from you. Please hit us up at villageglobal.vc slash network catalyst. 